we had to play around with the processing. Um, we ended up getting um, this special machine that can um, it it sort of really quickly heats the product. So it does it within ten seconds, and it gets it to a really high heat. But it does it so quickly that um, the the fat and like the the moisture around the protein. Um, protects the proteins so it doesn't degrade the protein because that was something we were worried about with if we over process and and you know kill all the protein and stuff like that um so yeah so with some clever processing technology we got around that um and we tested and made sure that it was able to kill like pathogens things like that a whole new era of communication in the poultry industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds of the global poultry industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Adiseo provides nutritional solutions and services to help producers achieve their targets in high-quality, safe, and sustainable way. Your partner for improving animal performance, Berg and Schmidt. DSM, helping customers with efficient, sustainable poultry production. Ivonic Animal Nutrition, we are sciencing the global food challenge. AB Vista offers pioneering products and technical services tailored to the poultry industry to help them succeed. Welcome to the Poultry Podcast Show, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting-edge insights and everything that's working in the global poultry industry. When it comes to raising healthy animals, you need more than the right solutions. You need the right partner who brings decades of industry expertise and a global team to put that knowledge to work for the advancement of your operation. At Fibro Animal Health Corporation, we are proud to work with you as your trusted partner. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Poultry Podcast. My name is Jason Emmert, and I'll be your host today as we discuss a fascinating topic, the use of food waste for feeding poultry. Our guest is Dr. Amy Moss, who is a postdoctoral research fellow at the University of New England in Australia. Welcome, Dr. Moss. It's great to have you with us. Thank you very much for having me today. We're so excited to discuss this topic, but to get us started, could you take us just a bit through your academic journey? How did you arrive at this point in your career? Yeah, sure. Um, so as you mentioned, I'm Australian. Um, I'm currently uh, a postdoctoral fellow at the University of New England. Um, so for those of you, if you're not familiar, uh, you might know where New South Wales is in Australia. I, I'm about eight hours from Sydney, basically, further inward. Um, so out in the country. Um, but I, I've been at UNE for about four years now. Um, before that, I did my PhD at the University of Sydney. Um, and before that, I did my bachelor's in animal and veterinary bioscience also at the University of Sydney. And while doing my bachelor's, I, I did an honours program in poultry and just absolutely fell in love with it. And that's basically how I ended up here. Uh, probably a common story, I think, for a lot of us. So did you, did you grow up around poultry at all or that was a new experience for you? Um, well, not really. I've always lived on the coast. Um, I've always had, like, since I was four years old, I've had birds. And so that's where that love of, love of birds started. And I started breeding poultry um, when I was in, like, senior years of high school. Oh, very good. Yeah. So a little bit of background there. <laughs> yeah, a little it. bit. Yeah. Not, not a farming yeah. background, but 
definitely yeah. a bird background. Well, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Um, so what drew you more into the the nutrition side of things or, or looking at, at feeding? Is that something that you worked on throughout your graduate career? Yeah. Yeah. So throughout my undergrad, um, I was always interested in the nutrition topics. And so it just sort of seemed sensible to combine my love of poultry um, with nutrition, which I really enjoyed. And of course, you know, poultry are just such fascinating animals and they, they're just, their feed efficiency just amazes me. Um, so, so that was an interesting path for me to start to go down. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. The feed efficiency is astounding. Sometimes I feel like I can rival it, but I know I'm, I'm not accumulating muscle. I'm pretty sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, great. Now I'm just curious and, you know, teaching is one, one of the areas that I'm very passionate about. Did, did you have some really good nutrition classes that kind of drew you in as well? Or, or how did that work? Yeah. Yeah, we did. We had some, um, really interesting nutrition classes and I did my um, my honours with um, Professor Peter Selly uh, and yep, he was fantastic and he definitely got me into it. And so he does all his research in poultry nutrition. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's interesting to me as I look at students to see, you know, how they determine what path they're going to go down. And sometimes it's, it's a particular great class, but you know, different people react differently to the same class and everybody has their thing that they want to get into. So glad, uh, glad that you were uh, attracted to the area of nutrition and, and have some good things to share with us today. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. So a um, couple of exciting things going on, it sounds like. You have this publication, a uh, new publication. That came with. What's the best way to jump into this topic of food waste and feeding poultry? Um, probably to talk about the publication first, because then that sort of leads, yeah. um, the award is sort of like the, the next steps of research. Yeah, but it's very exciting. Absolutely. That sounds like a good plan. Yeah. So tell us about the, the basics of the paper that just come, came out. It looks like you were um, feeding food waste to laying hens, looking at egg production, looking at a lot of the parameters we would expect. Uh, for a laying hen trial, yeah. Yeah, so I can give the background um, to what led to this um, sort of project. Um, I've always been interested in uh, alternative feed ingredients, uh, particularly here in Australia. I don't know what it's like in the US. You guys have a pretty big corn soy market, so maybe it's not so bad. But in Australia, we have to import all our soybean meal, and it is so expensive. It's um, $1,000 per tonne Australian now. Um, so, yeah, it's doubled in the last year. So, it's really tough on our poultry industry. The feed costs make up um, like 80% of production costs. Yeah. So, the industry is scrambling um, for alternative sources of protein um, and just alternative feed sources that um, are cheaper. But then also, if we don't have to import it, that's also a good thing. Um, so I've been doing some research on alternative feed ingredients and um, I was approached by a company, Food Recycle, who were interested in um, taking just food waste and um, processing it so that it's safe to feed and, and feeding it to animals. So we wanted to have a go at feeding it to poultry and we picked hens because they're pretty forgiving <laughs> as far as like out there, nutritional diets are concerned compared to broiler chickens. It would be much more difficult. Yeah, so then this is how we got into um, 
this food re- food waste research and um, so we basically started collecting uh, different food waste sources from around the local area. So um, we got um, hospital and nursing home waste and like restaurant waste um, from the local places. Uh, we got brewers grains from some local breweries here. We got fruit and veg and um, fish offal from the Sydney markets. And we like processed it and formulated a diet and, and fed it to some hens. Very interesting. Now, the, the food waste, uh, especially like from hospitals and nursing homes, is that uh, food that never got served, food that they didn't prepare, or uh, food that was ser- served and not consumed? Or is it a combination yeah, of Yeah, all of the, of the above. above, yep. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it had a really high fat and salt content, even the food from the hospital, mm-hmm. which was interesting. So that is, that is. Yeah. human diets are not so good. Um, so yeah, we right. were concerned about how yeah. the hens were going to handle our <laughs> handle our waste food. Yeah, very high fat, high salt, but um, that just made up a smaller part of the food waste diet. Yeah, that is. It, it interests me. Um, the especially uh, post serve, you know, unconsumed food because the the potential is there for so many other kinds of contamination as people are disposing of this, you know. So um, I think it was mentioned in the paper that was one of the things that has to be done is separate out foreign objects or foreign material from yeah. From the we food were finding like bread clips and elastic bands and all sorts of things. Yeah, so sure that has to be sure. processed out. Um, and I mean, not to mention the variability of, of course, if you're getting um, discarded food, things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's, oh, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. I was just going to say the bulk of our diet was more like the brewer's grains, the bakery waste, um, things like that that come from factories that are much more stable. Right. And that's going to be a, a high volume, you know, depending on the yeah. the factory potentially. Yeah. Yep. Over time. Absolutely. Yeah. So that could be a more consistent source of, of food waste. But I really do think if, if we can find ways to incorporate the other kinds of waste that you're talking about, that's a, that's a big game changer in a lot of ways. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And we were sort of thinking like if you were going to do it on a commercial scale, the more places that you could collect it from, just create a big batch and blend it up, it would sort of even it out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You can take, take care of some of those variability issues with just consistency of volume, high volumes. Yeah, absolutely. What, what were the challenges on that front end then? Do you think aside from variability, other, any other particular challenges on the, the collection side as you're trying to gather in the different products? Um, well, yeah. So our, we had to play around with the processing. Um, we ended up getting um, this special machine that can um, – it it sort of really quickly heats the product. So it does it within 10 seconds and it gets it to a really high heat. But it does it so quickly that um, the the fat and, like, the, the moisture around the protein um, protects the proteins so it doesn't degrade the protein. Because that was something we were worried about with if we overprocess and and you know kill all the protein and stuff like that, um, so yeah, so with some clever processing technology, we got around that, um, and we tested and made sure that it 
was able to kill like pathogens, things like that. Um, especially this research was conducted during COVID. So I guess talking about pathogens and biosecurity was sort of um, at, at everyone's key focus um, at that time. Yeah, but mostly the main, the main problem, um, well, challenge would be um, variability. But I think um, we could work on that too if we could create a NIR um, profile for the food waste. That would probably be the Absolutely. way to go. Yeah, I think there's lots of, yeah, lots of technologies, lots of ways we, we could approach that for sure. Yep. The processing side I, I find really interesting too because you, you have to think about how often do you collect? Do you process as you collect or do you collect larger volumes and process? And there's just so, yeah, many, definitely. Yeah, so many variables there. And yeah. what we learned too is you, you definitely want to process it close to the site that you're collecting it from because you don't want to be trucking around all that water for nothing. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. And I think that's why, um, and, and we can certainly get into this more, but down the road, you think about the possibilities of doing this fairly locally to minimize some of that transport. And uh, yeah, there's some exciting possibilities there. Yeah, definitely. Great. So you, yeah, you have the, um, you have the material and you bring it in and you've processed it. So uh, where did you go from there? Yeah. So then we were formulating the diets for the chickens. Um, and that was an interesting exercise in itself because we had, um, like I said, the, the food scraps were high, high fat, high salt. Um, we had the fruit and vegetable meal provided a lot of re like really good vitamins and minerals, things like that, but um, had a lot of fiber. Um, and the, in the end, the diets um, ended up being um, much higher fat and salt and fiber compared to the um, – the commercial control diets, um, but they also had higher protein. Uh, and a lot of the energy came from fat, whereas in the commercial diet, it's mostly from carbohydrates with all the grains. But we ended up being able to formulate a diet that was 99% food waste. So we just had a little bit of pigment in there and um, a little bit of vitamin and mineral supplement as well and um, some enzymes, just like carbohydrates, enzymes, just in case if we needed them. Um, but yeah, it was pretty much 99% food waste. So um, previously, people have only really looked at a, an individual waste stream as a component of a diet. They've not really just done a, a full food waste diet. We we don't we but we wanted to really give it a good whack and have a go. Right, right. Yeah, you've, there's quite a bit of research out there, and you were talking earlier about alternative feed ingredients and taking one ingredient or a couple of ingredients and seeing how we can incorporate that. And that's great. Uh, but yeah, looking at ways to incorporate a broader range uh, in, a, in a more um, more considerable proportion of the diet, that, that's pretty interesting. So what, where it really gets interesting is when you start talking about costs. So a lot of the food waste, like even the abattoir waste that we got, um, it was free. Like they were happy to get rid of it. Yeah, even a lot of places, especially like the the Sydney fish markets, places like that, they're getting rid of fish offal, which really is quite a valuable product, but because uh, they just need to get rid of it. So they're, they're paying for disposal. So um, if you say, oh, I'll come and take it for free, it actually, it seems like quite a good deal for them and it's quite a good deal for you too. So. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's where I, th I think there's some – some significant potential. Yeah, and that um, sort of balances tap into out. Ways to, yeah, yeah, the variability doesn't really matter so much anymore if your diet's like a fraction of right. the cost. Yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you can even, you know, conceivably, just depending on, on your approach and the markets you're trying to supply, but you could conceivably adjust for some differences in performance if there were some. You yeah, know, based on what your input. Costs so when are. we were yeah. when we were formulating the diets, our original hypothesis was okay. Uh, these hens are probably not going to perform as well on these diets, uh, but that's okay because the diets are going to be so much cheaper. But then we started feeding the diets to the hens, and we were so surprised. But by the end of the study, they had a better performance than the commercial birds, which was just such a surprise, like such an amazing final result. Oh, absolutely. So take us through uh, just a, a little bit of the results and kind of the things that you did see. Um, and I, I thought it was interesting that the two parts, the two time periods in the trial, um, a little bit of difference early on, and you were able to adjust for that. I think it had to do with some of the, yeah, the higher, uh, yeah, higher protein and fat. Yeah, with the variability we were talking about. So, uh, we were feeding – so the the calcium source in the food waste diets was oyster shell meal uh, that was just came from the fish market. So there was a fair bit of variability in that um, with the calcium content and also with the um, particle size of the oyster shells. So we had a little bit of trouble with processing that um, at the start. So – uh, that first 10 weeks, we we had quite a bit of variability um, in the calcium. And by the end of, end of the first 10 weeks, uh, the shells of the eggs um, from the hens were thinner and they had a, a lower breaking strength. So they, they were much more brittle. Um, but, yeah, so we identified that probably the calcium um, digestibility wasn't as good as we thought or there was some variability. So we retested the calcium in the oyster shell meal, reformulated the diet, and then, um, yeah, the remaining 10 weeks, the shell quality improved and there was no difference then. But, yeah, the, the chickens were eating – oh, they were eating less feed as well, so they had a better feed conversion. Right. Yeah, I thought that was pretty pretty striking, the feed conversion difference. Uh, you know, but I, I think that's uh, – what my former advisor would call serendipity that you were able to even show that you could make that adjustment and, and get the shell breaking strength back to where, uh, yeah, where it was. It was pretty a handy controls. little thing. So, yeah. It was, yeah, mm -hmm. just proving that it can be troubleshooted. Um, and that's yes. the thing uh, with food waste. You just have to have a lot more monitoring um, than you otherwise would with a commercial diet. Yep. I think especially initially is if you were getting started in an enterprise like this, you know, probably over time you begin to learn more and more. Oh, definitely. About how to, uh, yeah. How to apply it. Yeah. And if yeah. you're getting the same food waste from the same sources, you get to know that product pretty well, and um, yeah, it become much more manageable. But yeah, when you're jumping in and you've never done it before, we we certainly learned a lot in those first <laughs> those first few weeks. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So. One of the first things, and you alluded to this earlier, but one of the first things I thought when I was thinking of food waste, particularly food waste that could have uh, meat products in it, was yeah the the disease p potential, and you know we're coming off of COVID, but also the African swine fever that was such a problem in many parts of the world. We're we're obviously not concerned about that with poultry, but um, with these kind of products, if they were fed to swine, that would be something to to keep an eye on, but it sounds like in the processing, um, those concerns would be addressed. 
Yeah, yeah. There was some testing done um, by the food recycle company and, yeah, they found that um, it killed off the prions and things like that. So we didn't have any concerns um, with the food waste uh, because of the processing. But, yeah, the um, Europe's really been making some strides towards um, reducing regulations um, surrounding feeding um, food waste um, back to animals anyway. Uh, so we ex we're expecting Australia to follow suit. Yeah, well, the the pendulum swung pretty far uh, in <laughs> yeah. the regulatory direction. It yeah, did, it was... and I, th I think they're sort of starting to realise. Oh, you know, where while it is important to have that biosecurity, um, we do also need to be sustainable in our pol in our industries in all of our animal industries. Um, so if we can't feed food waste to animals, there's a huge chunk of um, of, of, of well of, of food of valuable product that we're just letting go to waste instead of being able to use it effectively and in Australia like it's 7.5 million tons of food waste goes into landfill every year which is a lot I, mean, I can't imagine what it must be um, in the US uh, just staggering yeah because we're only tiny compared to you guys <laughs> yeah, you can't really wrap your mind around it it's it's yeah too large too large yeah well and, and if we're if we're effective problem solvers, and I think in the poultry industry we have been over the years, then um, those concerns, those biosecurity concerns, are things that we should be able to tackle and, uh, yeah, figure out how to, to create a situation where that's no longer a concern. Definitely. And, I mean, if we're making so much savings in the diet, um, there's a lot of money that can be invested towards things like that. For sure, yeah. Those potential savings are a strong uh, incentive for additional research and figuring out how to solve those problems. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me too. Another thing that struck me in thinking about this is there, there has been quite a bit of consumer pushback um, in the U.S. Or, or maybe I'd even phrase it as perceived consumer pushback against the use of animal byproducts in animal feed. And so now there are you know, different companies, different feeds that promote themselves as all veg or, you know, not containing any animal byproduct. And I'm wondering just your thoughts on that and, and how we might address that or alleviate those concerns. I'm not sure if that's something happening in Australia as well. Um, I don't think it's happening as strongly here. Um, it's not something that um, I've seen a major push for. Here it's um, in the poultry industries, we're having huge pushes towards free-range production rather than cage. That's probably where all the focus is at the moment. Um, but, yeah, I can certainly see that. But it would just be putting forward that argument um, to the consumer, what's important. Um, so, for example, um, you know, when we're talking about free-range production here in Australia, um, it kind of gets down to, well, you know, what's really important is it the animal welfare? Is it the sustainability? Because the sustainability is worse of a free range versus, you know, a cage production, that sort of thing. Um, so I think if we just share share with the consumer, you know, um, okay, you can have, you know, no animal byproducts, but this is the cost of sustainability um, and to the environment, um, then they, they might change their mind. Yeah, I think if they if they understood the the full picture, the full scope of it, um, the message of sustainability, the message of being able to upcycle those products and not have them go to a landfill, uh, should resonate with a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. I think it's got a pretty positive um, 
a, a pretty positive message. And certainly in Australia, people are really keen on recycling and things like that. So, and, and circular economies and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's definitely a, a practice in, um, in animal production that would be fairly easy to, to sell to the consumers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. I, I talked to my class about the issue and that's, that's the thing is that, uh, with so many things, I mean, number one, they're complex, and number two, there may not be what anyone considers a perfect solution, uh, but we have to find best solutions. Definitely, and, you know, and Australia yeah. is home of the duopolies too. So, yeah. <laughs> pretty much, we're always controlled <laughs> yeah. by what like Coles and Woolworths and <laughs> like the two main yeah. supermarket chains here want to do as well, right. not just the consumers. Sure. So, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> navigating that environment oh absolutely yeah challenges now i'm curious do you foresee this eventually getting down to the the household level of being able to potentially collect food waste um, from individual households i'm not sure if that's something that that uh anyone is doing at at any place currently but no uh, it's it's something i've not seen happening at the moment um but that would really be fantastic if it could so I, I see sort of the first stages as um, poultry companies in Australia implementing the commercial waste first because um, that's just really low-hanging fruit that's easily done. Um, less variability, so it's a much easier thing to start with um, big volumes. And then, you know, from there, it would be interesting to see where, where it can go. Yeah, I was, I was wondering too if there – and I, we may not have progressed to this level yet, but – Eventually, if uh, if you envision being able to have an understanding of how much food waste an individual bird might consume, kind of back calculating to the amount that would need to be collected over time, um, or uh, you know the the size of population in an area that would be needed to produce enough food waste for a particular industry. But there's so many variables there; it's probably a little little early for that, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but there is, there is. I, I was sort of doing some back of the envelope calculations, and there is so much food waste. It, it could provide quite a good chunk of the feed for the poultry industry. I think we may be surprised and even perhaps disappointed to find out how much it could provide. Uh, uh, yeah. Because again, that puts in perspective <laughs> the the quantities we're talking about. Yep. Yeah, it is no small amount. So it would definitely, yeah, make a big difference. Right. Right. Were there any? Um, any particular kinds of food waste that we need to make sure we avoid? Are there uh, sources that you think might not be uh, appropriate for poultry? I haven't thought of any in my mind, but I was wondering yeah, if there were any concerns on that end. Um, well, we sort of just worked with the ones that we knew would be um, probably the, the best for the hens. Um, we, Like I said, we were a bit concerned about the really high salt, high fat, um, sort of sources. It worked okay um, in the diets we had. The the excreta moisture only increased about 3%, so it was pretty negligible, not really worth worrying about. But, yeah, if you were to get really, um, really high salt diets, things like that, um, you'd want to avoid things, sources like that. Um, but, yeah, I can't really think of any off the top of my head that would be totally disastrous. You just got to sort of get a bit creative. Um, I know um, Food Recycle was looking into um, 
paunch, things like that, um, different abattoir waste, even looking at um, the discarded um, hides and things like that. So it would just be interesting to see, you know, how much, what really it will come down to what enzymes can we add to make um, pretty indigestible things digestible, <laughs> feather meals, stuff like that. I wondered with, you know, thinking of regulations, if if there were any particular regulations that applied to places like hospitals or nursing homes to avoid potential contamination with medications or, you know, you just sometimes you think something seems simple, but then. Oh, who knows? Yeah, it could be something. And, yeah. yeah, complex. Yeah, partic- potentially there, there could be um, nothing that I've heard about anyway. Medication ending. I think on the collection end, it just has to be done properly and carefully. And that's right. And there'll be all these little nuances that, yeah, that will come into it. That's where I think starting with the commercial is definitely the easiest way to go, and then um, can get a little bit more um, brave and explore these new and different sources. And it just depends what you know what's local to some of the big food producers too. So what do you see as maybe uh, some of the barriers to incorporating this or what what might be holding us back at the current time? Well, I think that, um, well, certainly in Australia anyway, it's just so different to anything that we've been doing. Um, so I guess there's a little bit of fear there um, surrounding, you know, um, using this new product. There'd also have to be... Um, new processing processing equipment um, brought into feed mills, uh, which it's already tightly packed in a feed mill. They've already got a lot going on. So, um, you know, adding our new bins and new ingredients is a pretty big deal. Yeah, so I just sort of see, um, you know, I, I get there's just that bit of hesitation because it's a new thing. But I think, um, you know, we can start slow, just incorporate a little bit of food waste here and there, some easy things. Um, and I think as soon as producers start seeing um, just the the reductions in feed costs that they can get, you know, it'll just be a landslide once, yeah, once they get just dip their toe in the water, sort of thing. Sure, it it may take that one entrepreneurial uh, producer to lead the charge. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and in in Australia, the laying hens it's fairly unintegrated, so. Um, you know, there's some smaller producers that might have a bit of a niche market, um, might be able to charge a premium even for eggs um, from fen- hens-fed food waste. Uh, so let's see what happens on that front. Yeah, there's some very creative people. They see always seeing new angles. Yep, yeah, that makes it makes it exciting. Well, good. Yeah, I was wondering, I, you know, if you can address the the variability issues, and you can address even stability of storing the the feed product. We haven't talked about that, but is it does it create a pretty stable? Yeah, um, if you um, yeah. when we dried it down with that processing technology, um, we added a little bit of antioxidant to some of the really fatty, like fish offal sort of sources of food waste. Um, but yeah, so we we had the foods we had it prepared and stored like for a fair while before the trial started and then um, had it throughout the trial. And then even after the trial, we didn't clean it up straight away. And so at least six months had passed um, and the food waste that we still had was fine. It didn't look rancid, like it didn't seem rancid at all. We tested it, it seemed okay. Um, Even things like the bakery waste, I would have thought 
there would be a potential for mold of that, but it, it stored it stored pretty well. So yeah, I think that it's got a decent shelf life once you get that moisture out of it. Yep, and I'm sure in our research settings we need to be more concerned about shelf life than high throughput industries. Where <laughs> yeah, that's right. We so had it sitting be around much of a for concern. a while. Yeah, yeah, so that in yeah. itself was a nice little test just to see, um, yeah, how it would work. We were even just, you know, starting this, we weren't even sure if the hens would eat the feed, what the palatability would be. But um, they really, yeah, they quite liked it, especially the bakery waste. It, I mean, I would eat it. <laughs> it smelled like donuts. Right. So. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, absolutely. I reckon um, pigs would go mad for it. So are you seeing this uh... – as maybe closer to chapter one or chapter 20, where do you feel like you are in this, uh, in this journey of investigating this topic? I think we're sort of just at the beginning of it. Um, so we've just finished that pilot project in hens. We saw that um, we, were, we were just hoping to see that the hens ate it um, and still kept laying eggs. <laughs> and they did, and they did fantastic. So... Um, you know, that was just one small pilot study. And so now, you know, we're continuing the research. One of the things um, that we want to work out was why did the hens do so well on the food waste diet? You know, that wasn't something that we were expecting. And sure, the diets had a slightly more nutritionally dense um, content, but yeah, we were surprised by those feed conversions. They also had much better energy digestibility. Um, so that's sort of what we've been thinking about lately. And I think it really gets back to some basic biology of, of poultry. So, you know, chickens, um, originated from jungle fowl. Um, they would have been out in the jungles. They would have been omnivores eating insects, you know, bits of fruit, maybe some grains, but not that many. Um, whereas now, you know, we're, we're loading them up with grains, we're feeding them a lot of carbohydrates. And some of the work that I did in my PhD was looking at, um, you know, the antagonisms between um, carbohydrates and um, amino acid digestibility and absorption. And one of the sorts of things that we found was um, if you had too much, um, too many carbs, too much sugars being digested all at once, it sort of overloaded um, some of the transport systems in the gut. So we're thinking that p potentially um, providing a bunch of that energy as fat um, rather than carbohydrates could be quite beneficial to the birds. So, yeah, so there's some really deep biology sort of learnings that we could take from this and that we want to explore further. It is a different mindset for a nutritionist to think of the potential for a low-cost ingredient that has high nutrient quantity and uh, <laughs> yeah. we're – where can we go when, when we're over-formulating? What, what are the effects of over-formulating? We really haven't been trying to do that for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. So it is. It's a really, it's a different game. It's really strange formulating with food waste. Yeah. And yeah, just so much fiber, so much nutrient. Yeah. And cost really isn't a limiting factor. So it's, it's exciting. It's an interesting feed ingredients to play with. That's for sure. It is. And I think we've come to the point where, uh, People, whether they're in industry or on the consumer side, are, are understanding the importance of the issues better and some of the incentives for pursuing this um, that could be beneficial for the bird, the company, the consumer, for, 
for the planet, for everybody. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, the main sort of areas that now we're going to start looking into is um, trying it out in broiler chickens, which will be the harder <laughs> bird to master sure. it in. They're not as sure. forgiving as hens yeah. are, so let's see how we go. <laughs> right. What will the um, the approach be? Or you might be planning on different approaches. Are, are you thinking of um, just comparing in, in a more aggressive type of growth or comparing in a slower growth type of system or... I suppose all everything could be on the table if you wanted to look at it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so uh, we're just going to try with some um, of the more suitable f- uh, food waste, things like the, brew- the brewer's grains, bakery, um, fruit and veg, stuff that's not going to be, you know, too much um, salt in particular um, for the broilers. Um, yeah, and just see how we go. So we're just going to do – maybe some small pilot work, looking at different feed ingredients, um, testing the palatability of them with the broiler chickens as well. Um, yeah, seeing maybe starting at smaller amounts of the food waste in the diet and building that up, seeing how far we can push them. Yeah, because they have such incredible performance, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. Right. Right. Do you anticipate down the road um, doing any consumer panels, seeing if there's any impact on on meat quality, any of the attributes of meat quality? Yeah, we definitely should. That would be something really interesting to look at. Um, even with the eggs, we didn't um, do any um, like tasting panels of the eggs or anything like that. So that would be good to look at. And that would be something actually that that would have to be considered with the food waste sources, I guess especially with eggs, you'd have to be careful not to feed them something that'll give the eggs like a fishy taste or something like that. Right. Right. Sure. Yep. But yeah, that could be, that could be chapter five. Yeah. It's good <laughs> that's to, right. that's down to the do road. some proof of concept. That's right. Yeah. yeah. We just like good to, to do see some proof of concept. That's right. That's right. We've got to test it in broilers, make sure we don't, you know, totally overwhelm them with the food waste, make sure we can, that they'll eat it. That's a big one. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, but sure. I imagine um, the palatability, we had no issues in the hens, so I've got pretty high hopes for the broiler chickens. Well, now I asked this question thinking I know the answer to it already, but uh, do you have any potential support for this work moving forward? Ah, uh, Yes, so <laughs> that's where my award came in. So I only just found yeah. out um, on Friday, so just a few days ago. Um, so in Australia, we have um, this program um, called the DECRA, which is this Discovery Early Career Researcher Award, and that's done by the Australian government. Um, so that's one of the most prestigious awards that an early career researcher can get. Um, so I applied for that, and, yeah, I was really lucky I managed to get it. So that provides me with three years' salary and research funding um, to explore food um, food waste in broiler chickens. So. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to utilizing that. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Eastman works with you to accelerate your nutritional program innovation. Start your journey with us at Eastman.com. Natural Biologics is looking deeper to find the natural solutions to your poultry health challenges. Fibro Animal Health Corporation. Healthy animals, healthy food, healthy world. AX3 Digest is a highly digestible source of protein with a low level of potassium, giving young animals a healthy start. Eastman serves veterinarians and nutritionists in agrochemical and animal health industries by helping them select, evaluate, and implement innovative nutritional programs. 
Eastman works with your team to customize your gut health approach in feed and water. Eastman's approach addresses nutritional and bacterial challenges and finds new ingredient preservation and hygiene solutions. Explore ways to accelerate and innovate your programs. Contact the animal nutrition team at eastman.com. Yeah, congratulations. That's that's outstanding. And uh, it really just looks like the work checks a lot of boxes, a lot of things that we need to be thinking about. Yep. Yeah, it does, especially with um, like the priorities of the Australian government um, towards sustainability and improving the strength of our primary industries. So it sort of feeds into a lot of that. Well, great. So if, if you don't mind my asking, kind of where, where would you like to see your career go from here? Uh, any future plans, things you, you think you'd like to do in your career? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I'd just love to continue um, my research into, well, food waste and precision nutrition as well. Um, I'd really like to start like a maybe a center for sustainability or something at the University of New England. But, you know, that's just crazy ideas in my head at the moment. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, so was feeding food waste at one time. But yeah, but that's true. That's looking like a real potential reality. So you never know. That's right. It'd be really interesting to see, yeah, just where poultry, um, poultry nutrition is in Australia in, in five years' time. Fingers crossed there's a lot of food waste involved. Yeah, and I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, that's that's not going to go away. I mean, that's an issue we're going to have to deal with. There's just, I mean, many efforts certainly underway to reduce food waste and post-harvest loss and just all all kinds of different approaches, but some level of food waste is going to be inevitable and the byproducts are, you know, inevitable if we continue to produce the main products. That's right. Yep. We might as well use them for something good rather than just throwing them out. Well, great. Any other um, aspects of research or any other uh, interests in, in the poultry nutrition world that you'd like to, to share or talk about? Um, well, yeah, I guess we could talk about, um, I, I've been doing some work with like the variability of, of feed ingredients, uh, which sort of gets back to the food waste sort of things. But I, I was looking at um, the variability of Australian feed ingredients, like the more traditional ingredients. And so we've been talking about how variable food waste is, but actually our traditional ingredients can be quite variable too, as I found. It was amazing, um, especially because Australia is quite a small industry, especially compared to the US. Um, so our data isn't quite as strong um, on our uh, our feed ingredients. And um, just looking at like the sample numbers to estimate the mean value with any accuracy like for your book values, um, we're lacking a lot of data, especially for things like amino acid data. But that's, that's great work to support the, the food waste research, as you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, that's connected. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we're stressed about the variability of food waste, but yeah, there is quite still a lot of variability within our own commercial ingredients too. Sure. Sometimes we're, we're thinking about uh, potential issues with new things and we forget to ask, wait, is that... Is that an issue now too with what we're using? And sometimes it is. That's right. And, you know, it's all the same sorts of things. You just need really good NIR, really good NIR programs um, definitely help to manage that variability. Well, lots of potential there. Just very, very exciting work. And, and this is absolutely something that has application virtually anywhere in the world uh, because food waste is, yeah, is something that we deal with wherever we go. 
Definitely. Unfortunately, that's, yep. yeah, that's the reality. Yeah. Well, great. Well, we sure appreciate your time and thank you for, for sharing this work. Oh, Thanks do you want to, um, yeah, you're welcome. We've been talking about the publication. Do you want to give a, a shout out to where people can find that publication? Um, yeah. So we got that published in Nature Scientific Reports, um, which was exciting. So it's there, it's open access. Um, so if they look up probably my name, I'm the senior author on the paper, Dr. Moss. Um, food waste you'll probably be able to find it otherwise yeah well, very good happy for listeners to reach out to me directly i can send them a copy great sure appreciate that and yeah i encourage everyone listening to take a look at that paper um, i think it's uh giving us some great things to think about and a glimpse into the future wonderful thank you very much thank you so much dr moss yeah we appreciate your time and thank you everyone for listening <laughs>